Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely sensational discussion with Texas Tech's Ralph Petrella. Guys, Ralph is going to dive right in after a quick intro and get into what it's like going from year three at Minnesota to year one with the program down there at Texas Tech. We're going to start discussing then about his mentors and how they've impacted not just coaching decisions when it comes to programming, but relationships and how he's handling people and what he's learned in his multiple stops on his way down to Lubbock. You know, we then get into um, monitoring and how what they're looking at is impacting not just how they're practicing, but how they're training, and how the training will then progress moving forward. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Ralph, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, man. I am excited for this. Hey, same, brother. You know, it's been a long time since we talked, but uh, I'm really fired up to get it done. Yeah, man. You know, it's uh, known each other for, gosh, it's got to be close to 10 years now, from back up at Juniata. Yep. Time here in Richmond, but uh, instead of me running down memory lane here talking about all my my Ralph stories, how about how about we catch everybody up? How you got down to Lubbock? What are you doing down there? And uh, 
what you got cooking? Gotcha, man. So I started at Robert Morris up in the NEC. Um, from there, headed down to the VCU. Um, worked with women's basketball, had a couple other teams uh, from there. My women's basketball coach uh, headed to Minnesota, asked me to go with. So uh, we made that transition into the Big Ten from the A-10. Um, that was really cool to see uh, the difference between, you know, a high mid-major to a high major program making that jump. Um, had a, some really, really good seasons there. Uh, we were able to move on here um, as a staff to Texas Tech. So we're in uh, Lubbock cooking on our first year, finished up our first year. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of growth. Um, some challenges along the way, but, you know, that's that's the first year process. And, uh, and we got better, though, which was really cool to see the kids uh, coming in the first week to, you know, almost a whole year, year later. Yeah, man. And I love it because, you know, you guys, you guys had a lot of really awesome stuff going down here. You guys really built some cool stuff up in Minnesota. So let's talk about going from year three to year one. I think that this is something that, you know, all too often coaches get into, but they don't know what they're getting into. So let, let's talk about, you know, that build and now the rebuild and what you've brought with you and, and where you see this going. Yeah, and uh, I think you're 100% right, man. Um, a lot of times we, we get in a situation and we don't know what we're going to keep, what's going to work uh, from place to place. You know, obviously our year three, we, we had a culture established. We're rolling. We're doing, you know, French contrast, oscillatory movements, incorporating RPR. So when we first got here, you know, we, we had established who we were working with, um, you know, how the kids are moving, identify their strengths, their weaknesses, looked at, you know, what they're good at in the weight room, how they condition, what they're used to. Um, so making the transition of doing some really high-level stuff to regressing it to back to the basics was interesting. Um, I probably changed my summer program eight times in the first week. Uh, you know, we evaluated them, again, see how – wanted to see how they moved. Um, we got here and we needed to really build a uh, conditioning-type base. So, um, you know, instead of doing some uh, traditional bodybuilding – work on our later weeks uh, we turned it into some circuit works and, and really focused on the gpp um that was a change that we had to make really early um, in our program um so really going and looking at okay what worked how can we implement that here and, and will it even work i think um you know you and i were talking about that before we started rolling uh is it going to work um and will the kids buy in you know there's things we did in minnesota the kids were all for um, you know, there's things that we do here that the kids all are for. So it's just a little bit different in each aspect. A thousand percent. And I think that the biggest thing is establishing and getting that buy-in when it comes to bringing in an entirely new staff. So let's talk about that process coming in, you know, because you just, I mean, really, you just went through it to have to come back and go through it again. So getting a team that, you know, the conditioning focus needed to be the forefront obviously means that there were some challenges in the weight room. So how did you get those young women to sit there and say, yeah, you know, Ralph's our guy and we're in and we're ready to go? You know, just showing that we're there for them, um, you know, explained why we're doing what we're doing, obviously um, educating how that's going to translate in the court. But even, you know, we're doing, you know, a toughness exercise, how that's going to translate and how it's going to translate for them for life and um, really being there and really trying to you know, talk about, hey, this is about, you know, after basketball as well. You're going to use what we're doing right now after basketball, the discipline aspect. 
um, you know, the toughness aspect, how that correlates to, to real life situations and being there. Let them know, like, hey, spend as much time um, as you can with them. So we come in pretty much seven days a week. Uh, every time we have an off day, I'm in there and letting them know, hey, if you need recovery, if you need extra needs, like we'll be here for you to make you better. And that was really our, our big goal through the summer was letting them know that we were there for them. I love that because, you know, like they say, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Oh, 100%. And then, you know, we can drip in the the, the other stuff, you know, explaining again why we might be utilizing a French contract or eccentrics and things like that because then they also want to know why we're doing it. So they'll give a better effort if they understand the why. A thousand percent. And then you brought up a couple of things there where we're talking about stuff off the court. So I'd be remiss if we didn't ask a hammer type question because, you know, being one of the guys in the ham fam and, and knowing how much of what Todd does has absolutely nothing to do with competition and about building the people. And, and what's and that seems to be something that gets passed on quite a bit from Todd with everyone else. Oh, absolutely. And I think that what he asks here is, uh, what's the biggest lesson about success in life that you've learned? Man, that's big. Um, it's a hammer question. It is. That's a, that is a hundred percent a hammer question. Um, a hundred percent. So success is being for me is being able to overcome your failures and not just overcome them, learn from them, utilize them, uh, your failures are your best friend. So when you're, when you're truly successful, you can turn any failure into an opportunity. Um, man, I'm, I'm going to mess this quote up, but I've definitely heard this, that the Chinese symbol for danger and opportunity are the same symbol. Um, and with risk, you gotta, you gotta take that. So that, that's the biggest thing is taking those failures, turning them into an opportunity to grow, get better from, um, cause Ham will tell you if you ever, uh, if you ever ask about me, I messed up so many times at Robert Morris, um, programming wise, uh, personality wise. Like I just misread some things and, but we took those failures. We met, we, we understood how I need to be a better coach. Uh, he coached me through it and really turned those failures into some opportunities. And that really benefited me huge. So shout out to Hammer, by the way, definitely want to be here without him. Um, and he knows that. So. Yeah, he's also the first person that would be like, oh, Ralph, shut up. You did it on your own. Yeah. Oh, never takes credit. Never takes credit for anything. But, I mean, you look at the amount of strength coaches that have worked with him and went on to be successful in that in that sense. You know, hey, everybody's going to get knocked down um, and get back up. So, for sure. And I, and I love that because I think that, you know, sitting here, one thing that a lot of people end up being really worried about is all of these failures and, and how they could go. But I think that that also ties into with that buy-in aspect with your athletes, with the, the more you're willing to let your guard down and for them to even understand that you know, maybe you don't have all the answers that builds things even more. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially you're grinding there with them. You know what I mean? You're going through with them every second. And, and they're saying, okay, hey, you messed it up this way. Let's fix it this way. You know, if we're teaching um, a hand clean progression, you know, you're driving your hips forward instead of up. We want to clean that up and, and understand that, hey, you're going to mess it up, but let's fix it the next one. That's one thing that we emphasize on our program a ton, um, on the court, off the court, in life. Okay, we're on to the next one. Um, we have a short memory for wins and losses. 
uh, we're, we're on to the next one, and we're trying to improve that next game and learn from what we did the, the game before and the set before in the weight room. That's awesome. So let, let's talk about how that's reinforced a little bit because I think that, you know, what I can see that being easy and hard for these kids today because, you know, like with Twitter, if it's not trending, who knows what even happened, right? And right. two-thirds of what people look at on Instagram now is a story. And Snapchat's yep. gone in a, in a day. So a lot of these things aren't in front of their face like they used to be with us as long. But with yep. that being said, they get so much noise. So mm -hmm. how, how have you guys worked with them? And what are, what are some advice that you can give to coaches when it comes to breeding that, if you may? Like that whole, like, hey, next play, next step. Like how have you guys found success with that with the kids? So even so, in our weight room and conditioning, we we preach next rep. So something we say a lot is next rep, get the next rep, get the next rep. So uh, say we have a, a point guard deadlifting, you know, three hundred. Okay, that's awesome. Cool, we're gonna celebrate that for a second. But I want you to hit it for the next rep. Um, say they missed the weight. Okay, that's fine. We've missed the weight. Let's hit it the next set and let's get to the next rep and get to the next rep. Whether it's conditioning, um, in the games, uh, our head coach is great about that. We have a twenty four hour window that we can enjoy a win or we can sulk a loss and that's it. After that 24 hour window, we're on to the next thing. We're on to the next thing. Um, whether it's a scout, whether it's prep, um, whether it's film, uh, we keep them moving in that aspect. Um, and it is, it is tough for kids because there is so much noise and to be able to focus. Okay. That rep was great. Awesome. Okay. It's behind me. I got to move on and make the next rep just as great. Um, and that, that is a challenge because there is so much noise out there. They see, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, um, you know, everything really now. Uh, and you just got to remain steady in that concept. I think that's the biggest thing, being consistently consistent with your expectations and your, uh, your thoughts. I love it because, you know, I think all too often we do get hung up on the positives or the negatives depending on our personality type. And, and that seems like a good way to keep people moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were at Minnesota, PJ Fleck, uh, his big thing was row the boat, all oars in the water. If we keep the boat, if we keep the oars moving, we're going to keep going forward. Um, and I really like that. That's one thing that I really, really liked about uh, Coach Fleck's mentality in that aspect. Yeah. So then let's talk about some other aspects that you brought with you. I mean, you've, you've had some, some sensational mentors along the way. I mean, you had a, a bunch of great staff members down here when you were at BCU. You've had, I mean, obviously you were under Cal and then a bunch of rock stars in Minnesota. So we've already talked about Ham a little bit and the, you know, the, the philosophical Todd and the now kind of haircut needing Todd. Um, but uh, love you, Ham. Um, but it's the, let, let's talk about these other two stops. You know, the, coming from VCU, there, it was different because you had more than just the basketball. Yep. And there was a lot of things that you were kind of dabbling in otherwise. So how has that time with the Rams moved all the way down, you know, to, to Lubbock? So, man, that time I had probably the most professional growth in my career. Um, and understanding actually true professionalism. Uh, Tim Contos is the, the utmost professional. Um, diplomatic, understood how to speak to each group to connect you know, administrators, athletes, and, t and talk on each one of their levels. Um, and that's what I think I learned the most during my time at VCU and how to manage um, how to manage my time. Because I had, 
women's basketball, field hockey, and the track throwers was trained in groups. Um, and that was a really fun time training the track throwers. Uh, they, they can always move some weight, and that's one thing I'll always appreciate is those guys love the weight room. Um, but they're, they're all different athletes. Field hockey is going to connect so much more differently than a women's basketball player. A thrower is going to look at training so much more different than both of those teams. So my time there was spent really identifying with each group what their needs was and how to communicate that to them effectively. Um, and then the professionalism part, like again, Tim is the man at that um, communication to coaches, uh, young coaching uh, mentorship. Um, and when I got to Minnesota, it opened my eyes to a whole new side of science. You know, I was there for three years. Um, I try to see Cal every day if I could. And about a year later after being there and hearing him talk, that's when things started to click. Um, it took literally a year to kind of catch up to some of his concepts and, and understand that. And Coach Wiley, uh, she's the director up there. Um, she's phenomenal. Um, looking at things pragmatically, understanding, hey, okay, if we set up a lift this way, it's going to flow into this way and it's going to move this way. That was really, uh, really, really brilliant. And those are all things that, you know, we brought here to tech, um, you know, connecting is what Ham Tommy professionalism from Contos, uh, the science aspect from Cal, the, the flow aspect from Coach Y have been so, so big to our program here at tech. And being in a first year, I really find myself looking back, reflecting, okay, what, what would what would each individual do in this situation and how can we twist it and make it work to get it done? That's awesome. And then I think that I would be remiss to ask then the, the opposite side of that. So obviously going into different situations, right, we always think that we have some things that could be the answers, but end out walking in and end out kind of throwing gasoline on the fire. Have there been any of those? And if there are, are there any that you care to touch upon like the, so that people can understand that, you know, going into these situations sometimes isn't always about comfort? Yeah, there, there was a lot of uncomfortable situations. You know, when you get to year three, you dialed in your program. Your kids know how to move. They know your expectations. Um, I remember my first day showing a, uh, an up-down, um, you know, great for GPP, full-body movement. Um, and I, it was something that I thought was common knowledge, and it, and it was not. Um, and, you know, I get a little frustrated in those moments. Um, we're, uh, you know, working on some push-ups things like that. Um, you know, you, I think those are something that should be the basics that everybody grasp. And, and we had to work through some of those, um, you know, thinking of some, uh, some exercises to improve mitochondrial density. Our kids weren't there yet mentally. They couldn't grasp like the intent of the exercise or the intent of how to, how to stay tight on a barbell. So trying to do an OC bench press with a kid that, probably can't stay tight to a barbell yet might not be a great idea if that makes sense no a thousand percent so then how did you go back to build into it um you know we just again every day you're evaluating your kids what they can do how they're moving that day it's it's always going to be changing so okay let's see how we have to regress each movement let's see how our program has to regress and you know we went from a almost a, a really really good um you know, triphasic approach to almost more of a linear progression approach. So we, we literally took the whole program and we're like, okay, well, what these, do these needs kid, kids need? 
um, to succeed. And it might not be the most fancy or sexy thing. So, but then now you started moving that way. So then mm-hmm. how have we seen this progress and where have there been, have there been any changes, tweaks, alterations that you've made to these progressions that, I mean, like a lot of this stuff, like, especially with cows, it, it, people should know, like there's yeah. literally a book written on it. Um, like, a couple, yeah. yeah, like you can read it and put it in front of your face, but there, everybody at times at their different stops needs to make some sort of a twist or change to it. Mm-hmm. What are some of those that you've needed to do and that you've had success with? So one was actually our ISO phase. Um, you know, we put our isometric holds on the back end of the week instead of the front end of the week because they were a little, We I feel they're a little less um, stressful than some of our uh, concentric, eccentric work, our normal rep work um, and how we do it. So we, we kind of flipped those two days, which that might not be a natural uh, progression to some of the purists, if that makes sense. If that answers your question on uh, some tweaks. Yeah, let's run down that a little bit more. So then why the other way? What was the benefit of that and how has this moved you even more forward? So the reason and rationale why I did that, um, we're going to force a lot of reps. Like, okay, we're going to put a weight on. They can get seven and force to 10 to kind of get some some super overload. a little bit of old school approach. Uh, that's to me is really going to damage. I mean, you're straining, you're, you're taxing the CNS, you're straining the fibers. Um, where an ISO hold, we're not going to have that. I don't want to say trauma, but that um, the word I'm looking for that much damage to the tissue or uh, stress to CNS. Even, um, you know, we're, we're doing some short holds, things like that. That's going to be a little less taxing. So we can put them on the back end of the week. Uh, kind of in a more of an undulating progression through the week, if that made sense at all. No, th- a thousand percent. I love it because now like the, that would be backwards. So then is your plan to go back or are you just going to keep going in this direction? So for right now, um, we'll move from here. We'll move into more of a normal like strength-based work, um, postseason uh, rep work, get everybody kind of on the same page. Uh, we did that more with the red shirts. As opposed to the whole team, that's not our in-season training with the team. Um, speaking, that's more the red red shirt workout. We will go back when we go into the summer for our second phase. We'll do ISOs again, um, but we'll do them differently, if that makes sense. We'll do some of the dynamic ISOs. We'll do some more taxing isometrics than we are doing now. I love it because now you're going to start developing – the length and the tissue and now all that. And then you can get into more of the intensive stuff that you want to do. Yes, exactly. And with our red shirts, we have more time throughout the year so we can hit those phases a little bit more often. If that makes sense. And again, that's with our red shirts. That's not what our team's doing. Um, Our team is doing something completely different right now. Right. And just for clarity, so people understand when we're talking, like this is the week of the tournament, like uh, the conference tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we've been training. So we did uh, two weeks of contralateral work. We did three weeks of ISO work and we're on our three, or excuse me, three weeks of eccentric work. And we're in our third week of ISO work right now is the timeline. Now, that's a lot. 
in season. Now I realize they're not playing, but these young women are practicing every day. So mm -hmm. how, how is that load taken into account and how are they handling all that? So we utilize the um, athlete monitoring system. We utilize Zephyr athlete monitoring system. Uh, it gives us the mechanical aspect and it gives us the heart rate aspect. So we monitor both their mechanical loads um, and then monitor our, our conditioning around that for our red shirts. Um, and then we also, you know, just talking to our kids, you know, hey, how are you holding up? Making sure, are, are you getting sick? No, you're good. Um, and uh, again, we want to push them. They're not, they're not competing. So this is a time that we're going to put stimulus on them. Um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to back off and baby them. Um, and we're going to utilize their practice minutes because we also, as, you know, being in women's basketball, we utilize a male scout team as well. So there's, there are some mixed minutes throughout practice. Um, so we just keep a close eye on that. But for us right now, uh, giving them that stimulus to adapt is the biggest focus um, as opposed to being an in-season aspect for them. So and then now we're talking about using monitoring system and looking at heart rate and things like that. Again, another thing that started back when you were in Richmond and then you guys kind of picked it up a notch up in Minnesota. I think one thing that people like to look at with that is how they are using technology within a group um, in, in the specifics, as in like how you break down practice, how you're looking at readiness, how you're looking at adaptability and things of that nature. What things have you guys seen as a staff now that are different in year one at the, at, in Lubbock versus year three in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Oh, man, efficiency is everything. Uh, the more efficient the kid is at the system, the more efficient they are in understanding plays, the more efficient they are in the movements. Um, getting them, teaching them how to move on the court to be efficient, um, whether they're closing out doing flybys or they're breaking down. Um, looking at, you know, the specific numbers on understanding, like, what a kid can handle, I thought was one. Um, you know, understanding, hey, these are uh, – some not as high trained athletes because we haven't developed our program um, for the last couple of years. So I think that efficiency in year one, the inefficiency, excuse me, in year one um, takes more of a toll on the body than the efficiency of year three, if that makes sense. A billion percent. I love that because now what we're talking about is how we can look at the technology and understand where we want them to be. And now we can build off of that. So going yeah. all the way back to last summer to now, where do you see after these young women get a little bit of a break, where is this monitoring and this technological dive that you're looking into these women with, where is that now going to drive what Ralph does for the next four to six months? Um, you know, we're, we're lucky because uh, the, the Zephyr system has a, it's a dual component. So we get the accelerometers. So one thing I'm excited to see is I have the data from the summer from our, our sprint days, our alactic sprint days. Um, I'm really excited to see the, uh, the peak accelerometers and um, the peak accelerations on those days um, with the same rest, uh, you know, because we're going to start out the same. Then we'll progress. Hopefully, obviously, the year two will progress much faster and our times and things like that on um, the near one, but seeing a, how quickly they adapt and progress after understanding what we're looking for 
and things like that through a year of development and training um, and seeing those numbers changing. Uh, you know, year two, we should be stronger. Uh, we should be able to create some more co ground contact force and and have some better accelerations. So that's one thing I'm excited to look at um, and see in my case, in my opinion, the faster you are in basketball, the more efficient you're going to be. You know, if you can get a two-step jump on somebody, then your 95 is now there 100. So those 5% efficiency points are going to make up a difference throughout the course of a game, if that makes sense. Oh, no doubt about it. I love that. I love that. I love all about that. So then let's finish that part with this then. On top of looking at that, what is your two going to look like to make three look like three? And, or two look like three, if at all possible. Um, you know, man, I'm going to give you a uh, typical strength coach answer. That's going to depend a lot on the kids. Um, it's going to depend a lot on the kids. Uh, I will say this. I'm going to give this example. One of our guards came in deadlifting 40 kilos for uh, five reps. That's what she deadlifted, 40 kilos for five. Um throughout the year we're in season and she's hitting 120 kilos for five in season. And that's, you know, that's about an RP of a seven and a half. Cause that's where, you know, I like to keep the lower body stuff, uh, lower rep range, lower RP middle RPE range, um, in season. Um, so I'm really excited to see where we're going to be, but not only that, we're going to add in a lot more speed work. Um, now that we're stronger, because uh, to me, you only need to be so strong. You know, I don't need her to do the 400 pounds. That's that's not what she needs. So we're going to work on some more speed work, work with that individual um, and be able to incorporate some of that more individualized work on based on needs. is going to be big for year two to get to year three. That's awesome, man. Now, you're not shy with sharing either. There's There's stuff that you put out. You know, with what you're doing with the women down there, where can people keep up with Ralph and what he's doing, brother? So uh, social media is big for me. I like to post what we're doing um, in the why behind what we're doing. So R Petrella 52, R P E T R E L L A 52. Um, I know a redhead Italian. I'm an anomaly. It's okay. I love it. I love it, man. Listen, Ralph, I can't thank you enough for being on today, man. This is sensational, and to actually get a a look behind the curtain and a breakdown of everything you're doing, man. I, I truly appreciate it. And best to you guys down there, brother. Hopefully you can get hey. back up here to this little not so well-known city back here in the East coast and, and catch up my man. I, I'm glad to hear you're kicking butt. Richmond's one of my favorite places, brother. I would love to see you. So uh, I appreciate the love, man. Thanks for having me on and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, brother. We'll be in touch real soon. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. And a huge thanks to Ralph Petrella for spending the time with us today. Guys, I mean, Open, honest, candid sharing from a man down there really starting his program over, giving us a step-by-step, -step, giving us the pros and cons, talking about things he's taken from other people and how they have worked or not worked and things that he's looked back upon to be better for the young women he gets to work with right now. Just truly sensational stuff. Ralph, I cannot thank you enough for your open, honest, candid sharing today. This was sensational. And guys, as always, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you.
for everything that you do for us here in Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.